I want to start out tonight by asking a question. It's not a, it's not a trick question. It's an easy question. How many people have a dog? You own a dog. Okay, wow, it's a lot of people. Um, don't worry. I'm not going to ask about a cat because I don't want to judge you. Um, and I would. I would judge you from the stage. So I'm not going to ask about a cat. Now, out, out of you that raised your hands that have a dog, how many of you, that it's an inside dog? Raise your hand. Okay, just, just about everybody. Crazy, but good crazy. Because when, when, I was, when I was growing up, nobody had hardly inside dogs. And the people that did have inside dogs were weird. They were just weird people. And you might be like, well, you know, when you're growing up, okay, I had an inside dog. Well, welcome to Second Chance, you're weird. Um, but we're glad, we're glad you're here, we're glad you're here. Now, I've got two inside dogs. Shannon had a dog when, when we got married named Sammy after the great wide receiver that played at Clemson, Sammy Watkins, she named him Sammy. And he's a border collie mix and he's cute and he's awesome. And I have Chance named after our church. Uh, and and he's, a, he's a golden doodle. And, and they get along great. Our blended family works real well together. It's awesome. But Chance, when he was a puppy, listen, if you think you are, are at a certain level and your walk with Jesus, get a puppy and you'll find out that chance took me backwards in my walk with Jesus because I started calling him names that weren't in the Bible, trying to get him house trained and potty trained. And he is, he, in fact, I'll show you a picture of chance so y'all can see him because some of y'all seen him, but some of y'all hadn't seen him in a while. He's so cute. He's, he's bougie. Um, he is, he's bougie, but I, I like it. And he's so cute and he just, he loves to cuddle. And I'm not gonna tell you that Shannon accidentally locked him in the pantry last night, but um, okay, I gotta explain that. So, so Chance will follow you everywhere around the house. We've done this before. And she went in the pantry to get something and he, he was right by her side and she didn't know it. So she came back and sat on the couch, we watched the TV and she looked at me, she said, it's so quiet in this house. I went, something's wrong. She said, where's Chance? I said, I don't know. She said, I did not lock him in the pantry. I went. She goes to the pantry, opens it up and he's like, hey! I mean, he's just so happy all the time. He's happy. But, but one of the things that frustrates me about him it's when we go outside and it's raining. He is, he's scared to death of an umbrella. And I don't know why. I don't know if he has any puppy trauma related to an umbrella, but when we go outside and it's raining, he will not get under the umbrella because he's scared of it. Now, here's the other thing that's frustrating. He don't like getting wet. He don't like the wind. And when we come back inside, he don't like being dried off and he don't like his paws being wiped off. He don't like any of that. And I'm sitting there the whole time outside with it. You ever talk to your dog like it's human? Going, dude, if you would just get under the umbrella. Let me address it. Screw your bad luck, all right? Screw your bad luck. You know what? You know what luck is? Luck is something that people that don't know who Jesus needs. That's what luck is. Because my God is sovereign over the universe. He's supreme. And if this freak freaks you out next week, next week I'll just break a mirror. Hello, there you, there you go. Somebody in Maine was lucky last night. But, but other than that, right? What is it, $1.3 billion? I could live on that. All that money won't make you happy. It won't make you sad. Anyway, <laughs> chance will not get under the umbrella. And I'm, I'm like, dude, if you would just get under the umbrella, it would protect you from all these things that are frustrating you or hurting you or making you sad. And one day I'm out in the backyard talking to Chance, like he's a human, under the umbrella, and God, God kind of started speaking to my heart a little bit. And he says, you know, it's, it's like that with you sometimes. 
Instead of this, you, you choose to live like this. And, and then you get mad because you're getting rained on. How crazy would it be if you walked up to somebody downtown and they're walking around like this and it's raining and they're holding an umbrella going, I'm so upset that I'm getting wet. You would go, that's, you, if you just moved the umbrella like this. But it's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is, now I know he lives within, I know, I know he lives within us, but he all, he's also all around us. And, and the Holy Spirit is kind of like an umbrella that covers us. And what's beautiful about walking with, with God is he protects us from some unnecessary stuff. And what's also beautiful about God is that every time we take a step, he's right there with us. And we've got his protection and we've got his provision and we've got his promises. If we will just stay under his, well, his, uh, stay under his authority. In fact, I know a lot of people are struggling with things tonight, maybe, and you're frustrated that you're, why am I struggling with this? And the reason that we struggle with certain things is we choose to live like this. And if we would just get under what God has put over us, then we could get over what God has put under us. I'll say it again. If we would just get under what God has put over us, then we could get over what God has put under us. So tonight I'm gonna to preach on the power of the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. And don't freak out, it's not weird. I know you've heard some weird stuff about the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna talk about buying a Honda or a Mazda or anything like that tonight. It's not gonna go weird. I'm, I'm just gonna tell you from a passage of scripture that I think this is the third time I preached on this particular passage in the past year. It's the water and the wine passage. Don't read too much into that. Um, but there's some stuff in this passage that I've never seen connecting to the Holy Spirit. And I wanna share that tonight. So we're gonna go to John chapter two. It's the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. And we're gonna see some really cool stuff. The first thing I want you to know about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of our need for Jesus. That's one of the things he does. He's constantly reminding us that, that we can't make it in this world without Jesus. And sometimes we take that for granted. Sometimes we take a lot of things for granted. Two weeks ago, I took power for granted, right? Remember when it was like two degrees and then there was rolling blackouts and we all lost power and I lost power for like seven or eight hours. And yeah, it made me realize how thankful I am for power because I was walking into rooms and turning on light switches and lights weren't, wouldn't turn on. And so that happens to us in our relationship with Jesus, except for even when we're not aware that he's there, he's always there. He's always around. What the Holy Spirit does is he helps us see Jesus and him being there. Check this out. The Bible says this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration. Sheena! Sheena. Sheena got a rock on her finger, y'all. Wedding celebration, all right? Had to say that, back on track. The next day, there was a wedding celebration. Sheena! In the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Now, let's talk about weddings then versus weddings today. Weddings today are pretty simple when you compare them to weddings back then. Weddings today, you go rent a barn, 
Nobody gets married in church anymore. Everybody wants to find that old barn out in the middle of a cow pasture, right? You get a barn. Listen, if you got a barn, if you'll fix that thing up and rent it out for $10,000 a weekend, you, you will be rich. I'm just telling you, if you got a barn. So you get a barn, you get some people together, you, you, you do a real quick ceremony. At least if I'm involved, it's quick. I, listen, if I marry you or if I bury you, it's gonna be quick because nobody's there to hear anything I got to say. And then you hit the dance floor and then you... Um, selectively maybe have a bar, selectively you gotta have some food, you got a DJ, you got a live band or whatever, and then you leave and you kiss 50 grand goodbye because that's what, about what the average wedding cost in America today. That's why the word elope means to be happy. So you, you, that's a pretty normal wedding. But a Jewish wedding lasted somewhere between three and seven days. I'm turning down every wedding invitation. I don't wanna to go to a three to seven day wedding. I don't even like a three to seven hour wedding. But when they did it, they did it right. It was a party, it was a feast, it was a, well, it was a celebration. Now the reason I point out that word is because John uses it again in the very next verse. In other words, he's trying to communicate something to us that, that there's a celebration going on and look who's at the celebration. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the what? Let's say it on three, one, two, three, celebration. Jesus is all about, about celebration. Jesus is all about bringing joy into our lives. Jesus actually, and I'll get to this at the end of the message, but Jesus wants what's great, great for us. Pastor P, why don't I have more celebration in my life? Well, sometimes it's because we're living like this. If it's raining and I'm walking around like this, there's not much to celebrate except for the fact that I'm dumb because I won't get under what I've got. I've got it in my hand. If you are a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. He lives in you and his, his job is to make us aware of Jesus because Jesus wants us to make us aware of our celebration. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus was at the party and According to the text, there was no plan to do a great miracle. He's just there with his disciples and, you know, they're doing the electric slide and the, and the Dougie and the steak leg and, and, and they got all the dances going, right? And then the Bible says in verse three, the wine supply ran out. Everybody say, uh-oh. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Especially back in those days because this was a major cultural issue. You could actually in some... In some Jewish cities, you could be arrested for this. It's a big deal. Lots of potential embarrassment going on. The wine supply ran out. And, and all of us know what it's like to run out of stuff, right? For me, I've, I've talked about gas in the car, but something else that stresses me out is my iPhone battery. You freak out? I'm at 72% right now, and that's too low. I'm freaking out a little bit. I got down to 38% last night and I was sweating like crazy. I was freaking out. I don't like, and I've got friends. I'm not gonna say who, they might be in this room. They're, they're battery, they're like, and they'll call you. All right, hey, I'm at 1%. I'm okay, but click. Why you call somebody at one, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting off track. I, I don't like it when my, I don't like it when my iPhone battery runs out. I don't like it when gas in my car runs out. I don't like it when anything runs out. But the wine supply ran out. And this is, for me, I just saw this in the text. 
that the world can make you happy because wine and joy are associated with one another. Wine and joy, many times in the scriptures, go hand in hand. Wine and the Holy Spirit also go hand in hand many times in the scriptures. And this is where people say, well, the world can't make you happy. Uh, yeah, it can. It really can. Listen, I've been homeless and I've lived in a house. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, I like the house way more than I like being homeless. I love a good meal. I like a nice car. I'm not getting backed up by anybody in the room, okay? Listen, y'all be broken homeless for the rest of your life. I, your, your boy likes to eat a good meal and, and sleep in a, in a house with power in it, okay? So all that money, like everybody's talking about that guy, all that money won't make you happy. It's gonna give him a good shot at it, right? But what I will say is the happiness that the world can bring us will eventually run out. That car that made us so happy eventually has to go to the shop. That house that we were so thankful for, one day the roof leaks, right? It, everything that this world has will provide us happiness, but that happiness is based on circumstances and it's temporary. And eventually anything not connected to Jesus will run out. So the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Now this is crazy. So Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. That's all she said to Jesus. She, she just made him aware of a situation. She didn't say they have no more wine, so this is what you need to do. You need to get this, you need to get that, you need to call these people. She didn't give him suggestions. She just told him the problem. What if our prayer life looked like Mary's? Jesus, I, I have no more joy. Jesus, I, I have no more hope. And, and then we just stopped. We, we didn't tell him what we needed. We just said, this is how I'm feeling. See, the reason Jesus's mother went to Jesus, see, nobody else went to Jesus, but to be fair, Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet. Like he wasn't, they didn't call him in because they, you know, dancing gets crazy. And when people dance, they might break their leg and we can call Jesus in, he can heal them and they can keep dancing. They had no idea who Jesus was. Or what, the only person that really knew what Jesus might be capable of was Mary. And so she didn't try to fix the problem herself. She just brings the problem to Jesus and she says, they have no more wine. She recognized Jesus for who he was and get this, she had no idea what he was going to do. I'm not cracking on Mary for my Catholic friends. I'm just telling you, she had no idea what Jesus was gonna do. She just knew he could do something. I mean, the whole virgin birth thing clued her in that this is something supernatural standing right here next to me. And this is how we know that Words back then and words today sometimes mean different things because his response to his mother, well, read it for yourself. He said, he said, dear woman, <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you. If my mom would have said, Perry, clean your room, and I would have said, dear woman, y'all wouldn't have found my body. I mean, I would be, try that tonight. 
Husbands, on your way home, if your wife says, hey, you wanna go to the store, go, dear woman, and see how, just, in fact, don't try that, don't, don't try that. And if you do, we would love to provide counseling for you. Cole.Farlow, and my second, yeah, okay, just so you can email Cole, because he can handle all that. Dear woman, so it meant something different in that time, because Jesus wouldn't have insulted his mama. He said, dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. And this is how we know that mamas run the house because she doesn't even pay attention to Jesus. She just turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. Dear woman, my time is like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Do whatever he tells you to do. That's the best advice. That was the devotion this morning. That's the best advice I could give anybody in this room. Do whatever he tells you to do because whatever he tells you to do is gonna be in line with this right here. Pastor Pete, could you give me an example? Sure. Get baptized. Why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do that? Start to serve. Start to give. Like, why wouldn't we do what Jesus tells us to do if he wants us to live this kind of life and not this kind of life? I'm wearing this umbrella out, am I not? Which leads to point number two. In his time and by his power, the Holy Spirit will change us. In his time and by his power, the Holy Spirit <laughs> will change us. Now, I am what you would call, I would classify myself in the category um, of, of a runner. I love to run for fun. No, I, I don't run from people. If you start chasing me, I'd rather just fight. But like, I love to go run. So anywhere between eight and 15 miles is a good run. I enjoy that. It's fun. Any, any runners in the room? Any runners? Nobody. I'm up here all by, okay, I had one kind of do this. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Not that committed. Um, I love to, now I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little injured right now, so I'm taking a little break, but I love to, to, to run. And I've done, I've done two marathons. I, I completed one. A marathon is 26.2 miles. I was sharing this with somebody. Now, keep in mind, I didn't decide to start really getting into running again until about five years ago. And I went to the gym and I said, I'm gonna run a mile. And I ran that mile and I prayed for God to take my life for the next two days because I was hurting, I was in pain. I was crying out, Eli, Eli, la, la, I mean, I, I like, that's what Jesus said on the cross, by the way. I, I was just freaking out. But now, I, eight miles? I won't even lace my shoes up if we're not gonna go seven or eight miles. And somebody asked me, said, you ever thought, if you could do any marathon in the world, what would you do? Yeah, Boston, I'd do Boston. Boston Marathon is like the best marathon. It's the, it's the Super Bowl of marathons. It's the Wimbledon of marathons. It's the masters of marathons. And this person asked me, well, why don't you just sign up for Boston? And I said, because you can't just sign up for Boston. You have to qualify. To qualify for Boston, for somebody in my age bracket, you gotta be able to run a marathon, which is 26.2 miles in three hours and 35 minutes. That is a 7.49 pace. There's greater odds of me buying a cat farm than there is <laughs> of me qualifying for Boston. You got it? I didn't say that this morning, that was absolutely free. Y'all get extra stuff on Sunday nights. I, 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 there's no way. 
I could do it for a half marathon. One guy was like, if you could do it for a half, you could do it for a full. No, I couldn't, idiot. That's a whole nother half marathon at 749. <laughs> but I started thinking, what if I could? What if I worked hard? Because I know there's that one person in this room, you're going to email me. You, if you tried really hard, you worked and you believed in yourself, you could do it. Probably not. But let's say I could. I'm competitive. I wanted to know, like, what's the fastest marathon ever? I just looked it up. Guy from Kenya, a couple years ago, ran a marathon in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. That's a 434 mile for 26.2 miles. I could do a line of crack a mile long and not be able to run that fast. I'd have an interesting 10 minutes afterwards, but there's no way I could run that fast, right? But this guy that ran that record mile or record marathon, he didn't just get up one day and go out and do it. It, it took time. And the Holy Spirit, it's funny because as Christians, we want God to do everything he's done in us for 10 years. We want God to do it in certain people in 10 minutes. This is my favorite. This is where people email in. They go, Pastor P, what do y'all do with the people that raise their hands in the service? I love that question. Got an answer. You ready for it? We know who you are <laughs> because we get you on camera. And after the service, we find you. We drag you to a dark room that we have right back here. We get you to confess all your sins. Then we get your phone and go through your playlist and just eliminate all the secular stuff. Then we come with you to your house and we get all your R-rated movies except for the one about Jesus dying on the cross called Passion of the Christ. What do you mean, what do we do? And I had one guy tell me, discipleship. And I said, well, discipleship in most churches is nothing more than a form of control and manipulation. Oh, snap. It just got real, didn't it? Now, let me explain that because I'm all for discipleship. But I asked a guy one time, we were having a, discuss we were having a discussion about discipleship. And I said, what, what do you need to do to disciple people? Like, disciple people, walk me through that. He said, well, when I disciple people, I challenge them to, to memorize like the book of James. Okay, well, that's five chapters. You could probably do that. Or memorize like the, the names of the books of the, of the New Testament. Okay, what else? I challenge them to, I, I, I challenge them to listen to only worship music. Okay, so memorize some New Testament and listen to worship music. He goes, yeah, that's about the two main things. I'm like, well, congratulations. You just disqualified Peter James, John, Matthew, Mark, because they, they couldn't read the New Testament because it didn't exist. Pastor Pete, you don't believe in discipleship? I believe in it 100%. But you know what a disciple does? If you look in the scriptures, a disciple is just somebody that followed Jesus daily. Followed Jesus every single day. That's one of the reasons we started doing this text thing. It hopefully helps people follow Jesus just a little bit closer. That's discipleship. Okay, I'll move on. So, so Jesus does this in his time and by his power. In fact, the Bible says this. Standing nearby, now look, just, this is so cool. 
Anytime God wants to do a significant work in our life, the vessel for the miracle is always somewhere nearby. We, we, like some people climb mountains and some people go on trips to find themselves. And, and no, it's, it's just right there. Standing nearby were six stone water jars. Now this is crazy because John, why would you include that detail? Anything, especially John. John put some details in his gospel and they're there and you'll, we'll just skip over. I skipped over that for years. Six, six is the number of, of man in the scriptures. It's also a number connected with sin. Keep that in mind. Six, what kind of water jars? Let's say this word on three, one, two, three, stone. Not gold, not silver, not brass, not copper, stone, water jars. So you could almost say they were like sinful, ordinary water jars. Sinful, ordinary water jars. The reason that's important is because Jesus has a way of using sinful, ordinary people to accomplish supernatural things. Because listen, the miracle in this passage, the miracle in this passage wasn't Jesus turning the stone water jars into gold water jars. That would have been on the outside and that would have been impressive. But the miracle happened inside the vessel. And the miracle that Jesus wants to do for us is not exterior, it's interior, it's in here, and it's in here. That's what he wants to change. So, so there's six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing because they were all about the outward appearance. So they would get to a meal and they would wash their hands and they were clean. Jesus got in trouble one time because one time he went to a meal and he didn't wash his hands. And the Pharisees were like, you didn't wash your hands, you're not clean. And he was like, yeah, all y'all are like, Dirty old men and all y'all, you're like whitewashed tombs and they killed him because they get upset because religious people get upset when you call them out. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of water. That eventually became a lot of wine. Hello. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, now let me, let me just pause real quick. This took time. This was a process. They didn't, if you're Southern, you'll get this. If not, somebody that speaks Southern can explain this to you. They didn't have a spigot. <laughs> they could put the water jar under and just kind of wait on the water jar. They had to get the, maybe get the water from a well. It took a minute to fill, to get 180 gallons of water. And by the way, Jesus said, I'm gonna do a miracle, but I need you to contribute something. I mean, can, can we put some water in the jar? Can, can we crack open a Bible? Can, can we listen to a worship? Like what, what can we give Jesus to work with? God's gonna do it all. Eh? Is he? Or is he gonna do it all through people who are willing to surrender to him on a daily basis? That's... Just a, that's a whole nother thought. I need to write that down, all right? I just had that thought. Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Don't you love these servants? They had no idea what's going on. They're talking about it. Hey man, we're out of wine. 
Who's that guy? I don't know. I don't like his haircut. He's got that white robe. His hair's feathered. He's wearing nice sandals, right? He wants us to do what? Fill it with water? We're out of wine. I know, but he said fill it with water, and his mama said fill it with water, so we're just going to fill it with water. And he wants me to take water. But see, the, while, while they're doing it, there's a supernatural transformation taking place that only Jesus can get credit for. Now, once again, when I talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, some people get confused. But I love the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And Paul tells us in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, what the fruit of the Spirit is. Here we go. This is what, Paul, this is what Jesus wants to do in us. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Now, I wasn't gonna stop there until last week. I was talking to the staff about the service and kind of evaluating the, just the people confessing strongholds. You know the number one stronghold that people in our church confessed? Anger. We have people confess addiction. We have people confess all kinds of things. But the number one thing was anger. And I was like, I, I stood on this stage. I told y'all, I said, I'm glad I'm at a place where I, I don't have anything. Like, there's some people I don't want to hang out with, but I don't hate anybody. And then, a, was it Friday night? Friday night, I had a weird dream that I was talking to a guy. He and I used to be super close about six or seven years ago. We were having a great conversation. Now, let me pause. Number one, I do believe God speaks through dreams. Number two, I do not believe that every dream is God speaking to you. If you dreamed that you were the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, you watched too many episodes of Ghostbusters and you need to back off Netflix, all right? That's what that means. <laughs> this dream, I woke up and as soon as I woke up, like as soon as I woke up, God spoke to me and said, you need to text him today. And I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to text him today. God said, you need to text him and tell him that you love him. I'm not sure I do love him. And then God started reminding me. Now, don't listen. Some of y'all are trying to figure out who it was. If I called this person's name, you wouldn't know this person. This person was a, somebody that took me under their wing 15, 20 years ago mentored me and you know, helped me out in some areas, really did disciple me because I spent a lot of time with him. So I texted him and then I saw that he read his text because he had his read receipts on. See, I don't have my read receipts on, so if you text me, you don't know whether I read it or not. Some of y'all don't know about read receipts. Some of y'all, I just blew your cover because your spouse is gonna ask you what a read receipt is tonight. He didn't text me back. He didn't text me back. So last night I was walking around the house and Shannon was like, what's wrong, baby? Isn't it funny how women just know? They just know. I was like, I'm good. She's like, no, what's wrong? I texted this. I told her the whole story. I texted him. He didn't text me back. I was upset. She said, baby, that's not on you. That's on him. You did your part. I was like, okay, it's good. 20 minutes later, he texts me back. <laughs> I'm gonna read you part of it. 
P, I prayerfully thought about your text all day. You know dreams are referenced throughout God's word many times. Your, yours last night was for a reason. The courage and vision you gained enough to send this text to me speaks from your heart to mine. I wept. Would you agree to meet with me? I texted him back immediately. I said, absolutely. I'm gonna sit down and have a conversation with a guy that I haven't sat down and spoken with face to face for six or seven years. And it's not me. It wasn't my idea. It was the Holy Spirit going, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna work on this a little bit. Joy. Could you use some joy? You know who sucks at joy? Clemson fans. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If you're a Clemson fan, here's, listen, listen shut up. We went 10 and three. There was a time 15 years ago where it took us three years to win 10 games. There was a time 15 years ago we had to go get our team out of jail on Friday night to get them to play by Saturday. We're 10 and three. Shut up. That's just proof that the world can't make you happy because five years ago we were like, we're the greatest thing ever. Now we're falling apart because we're 10 and three. See what the world does? Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oh, the Holy Spirit will give you self-control. I got to check myself on that one every once in a while, though. I lose control when I go to like a Mexican restaurant. They bring out the chips and salsa. I think I'm good. Three baskets later, they bring the food, right? That's why I don't go down here to pizza buffet. I love pizza buffet. People are like, you want to go? No, why? That chocolate chip pizza, I can't control myself. I will be the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man if I go down there and because and, I can throw down on some chocolate chip pizza. Hello. Self-control. Self-control, like, like that'll help you out with like not putting your hand through a wall. Oh, it just got real. I mean, it'll, it'll help with stuff like that. Like blowing up, the Holy Spirit eventually, in his time, we just don't blow up as much or not at all. It's cool. This leads to point number three. Some of y'all were sitting there going, is he gonna go through every fruit of the Spirit? My God, we do not have time. You lack self-control. You sit there, all right? Here we go, number three. The Holy Spirit wants the best for our lives. The Holy Spirit wants the best for our lives. He wants the best. Now, when I was a kid, I learned two prayers, two prayers. Um, and and it's, one of them is not the Lord's Prayer. By the way, the Lord's Prayer is not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer because he was teaching them to pray. The Lord's Prayer is actually the prayer he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's the Lord's Prayer. That's a powerful prayer. That's amazing. But that's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. I learned two prayers, and you did too. Most of you in this room, you learned these prayers too. Even if you weren't church, you probably learned them. The first one is when I went to bed. I'm gonna say it. I want you to say it with me. Here we go. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's terrifying. You basically tell your child, you might die if you do. 
ask the Lord to come get your soul. Because if he doesn't come, Satan does. Good night. Then we wonder why they don't sleep by themselves. The other one, the other one is the prayer we, we prayed before the meal. It's the closest that white people get to rapping and actually sounding decent. I'm right. Unless your name is Eminem or Kid Rock, you should never attempt to rap. But this is, this is close. This is close. Here we go. Say it with me. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we shall be fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. You like that? I didn't do that this morning either. I just felt it. Now think about that prayer for a minute. That's, that prayer is great theology, the beginning of it especially. God is great, and then God is, God is, and then God is. See, I love that. I love teaching that to kids. God is great, God is good. Because see, if God was great, but he wasn't good, we should fear for our lives. If God was good, but, but he wasn't great, then he's not worthy of our worship because he has no power. But God is great and God is good. So the reason that we walk under what he put over us is because under here compared to here is always great and it's always for our good. He, this is, I love this. And this, by the way, this is, a, this is a snapshot about what the devotional is about tomorrow. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, <laughs> isn't it crazy how people that serve always get insight into stuff that other people don't see? I just, that's, that's just in the text. I just wanted to point it out. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. This is how we know it was wine and not grape juice. It was wine and not grape juice. A couple reasons. Number one, Greeks had words for grape juice and words for wine. This was wine. The other way we know is because of the context in this text. Look what he said. He said, a host always serves the best wine first. And then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. This isn't saying we started with Welch's and, and we ended with those little box drinks, right? Uh-uh. Like we started with Rothschild and then when everybody gets hammered, you bring out Mad Dog 2020, right? I just, hello. Y'all laughed a little bit too hard. Y'all know about Mad Dog 2020. You'll only do it once. He said, when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. Look at this. But you have kept the best until now. Jesus said, you, they're, they're talking about the work that Jesus did. And they said, this is the best. Because it was supernatural. It happened in a vessel over time that no, nobody else saw the miracle happen, but they all experienced the benefit of the miracle. And see, this is why, this is why I would tell somebody to, to surrender your life to Jesus on a daily basis. Even when we screw up, he can still, he can still do something with that. He, there's a difference between correction and condemnation. Condemnation is when somebody stands and yells at you that you're an idiot. 
God doesn't do that. Now he will correct. He will correct us. It reminds me of my dad when I was a kid. I used to play in the woods all the time. I was always like building a fort, climbing a tree. Just, I, I love to play in the woods. And I, we were building a fort one day and I got a splinter in this hand. And um, it, was a, it was a pretty big one. And I, you know, I was nine years old, 10 years old. I was brilliant. I could, I could fix it. You ever tried to fix something that got worse? It was all bleeding and stuff. And I didn't want to tell my dad because I was scared my dad would like yell at me. Isn't it funny how we're afraid to take stuff to God? We're so scared that he's just gonna just rake us out. That night at the dinner table, my dad was like, what is up with your finger? And I tried to tell him, it's, oh, it's, it's nothing, it's not a big deal. And he said, no, that's a big deal. And he got up from the table and walked in the back and I was like, he's going to get a shovel to dig a hole to bury me in because I thought I'd screwed up so bad. He comes back and he sits down at the table, takes my hand, he's got a needle, a pair of tweezers and some alcohol. And he looked at me and he said, this is gonna be slightly uncomfortable for a minute, which was an understatement, because I screamed like a baby. I was, I, I was like, ah! but he, he said, he said, but if I don't get that out, it's going to get infected and you're gonna have way worse problems. He didn't call me stupid. He didn't tell me I was an idiot for getting a splinter. He just patiently worked it out of my finger. And I had that image when I was finishing up this message because that's what God wants to do when something's off in our life. He doesn't want to scream at us for the splinter. He just says, well, why don't you let me get that out? Because if you'll let me get that out in time, you'll eventually step into the best the best that, not that the world can give you, but that I can give you. I'm learning about God right now that it's, it's best to, instead of telling God what we want, just ask God, help us to understand who you are because what he wants is far greater than what we want because we would choose to live like this if we could. This is called modern-day Christianity. And Jesus said, I just want you to let me, let me be Lord of your life. Consume your thoughts, consume your heart, consume your mind. And we'll do that if we truly understand how great God is. God is great. God is good. So I thought before the invitation tonight, that it would be appropriate for us as a church to focus on the greatness of God. Because listen, if he wants to get that splinter out, we're not gonna let him do it unless we understand that his plans really are greater than our plans. God is great. God is good. So Jesus, I pray that over these next few moments, as we just pause and reflect on your greatness. God, that you left heaven and Jesus, you came to earth. You died on a cross, rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, 
One day you, you will come back and the world will not be able to deny your greatness. I pray over these next few moments tonight, God, that so many of us would not be able to deny your greatness. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. How many people tonight are thankful that we have a God that is great and a God that is good? Father, I want to thank you tonight, God, that, God, we don't even know. We don't even know, but every once in a while, God, you give us a glimpse, and God, thank you for those glimpses of your greatness. Tonight in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there a splinter in your life that God needs to remove? Because the reason he wants to remove it is, well, he's great and he's good. Is there a change that you want Jesus to do inside of you? If so, just right there, ask him. Ask him to change you. Ask him to do something new in you. Ask him to change your heart. Ask him to change your mind. He's waiting. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. Here's the good news. You ask Jesus to come in your life, he comes in, you, you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. He will never leave you, never abandon you, never forsake you. If you want to ask Christ in your life tonight, I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer out loud, but our Second Chance family is going to pray this prayer out loud with you so you don't feel like you're alone because you're not alone. So if you want to pray to receive Christ tonight, you pray this out loud, Second Chance family, let's let them know they're not praying it alone. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come in your life, I want you to do me a favor and I want you to put your hand up and put it straight up in the air because I want to see it. I want to celebrate. Amen. Anybody else? Hand straight up in the air. Hand straight up in the air. God, I want to thank you for these hands. All day long, you have been faithful. All day long, you have saved lives. And Jesus, I want to thank you that all day long, you've God, I feel like you just, you've told us it's not too late. Somebody in this room tonight, before you leave, this is what you need to hear. If you're a prodigal, if you walked away from God, it's not too late to come back home. You won't come back to a God of condemnation. You'll come back to a God of compassion. Father, thank you that you are great, that you are good and that you've been with us all day today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Man, me too. Don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. You guys have a great week. God bless.